What's going on guys, your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA Podcast. I'm your host Josh Prepigina and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, how are you buddy? What's going on, bro? <laughs> good to see you man, um, hope everything is well. It is, it the, is. I always say it, but the bad thing about quarantine is that I don't get to see you more than once a week. But the good thing is, when we do get on the call, it's like, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> Always, man. Always. <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be like, I feel like there's a few topics here that are going to go long. So let's get right into the news, Andre. Um, I don't know if you saw this comment. So after the fights this weekend, do you always watch the uh, post-fight like press conference not always but i usually do if well it's usually based upon how a performance went so if let's say there was a controversial decision that somebody was supposed to win and then they go into the the post you know fight interviews and you know the press conferences and they're like this is bs that's the kind of stuff i want to watch but um other than that i don't really like the same night maybe i'll catch it a week later but yeah yeah so i'm gonna give you this comment completely out of context uh just because i, w- I want to know your reaction I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna even tell you the context because i'm not gonna lie we're we're gonna talk about why he said this later on uh dana white says that fighting in the ufc isn't a career it's an opportunity andre do you think it's wrong him saying that it's not a career? Yes and no. Um, I'll start with yes. It is wrong because there are some fighters who don't have anything else in their life but fighting. You have some fighters who come from a background of poverty and or violent crime being in and out of jail or just a a variety of different things that don't allow them to have access to a lot of resources that other people have in this world so sometimes fighting is their way out of that life so essentially making a career out of fighting is sometimes the only choice that people have so getting to the ufc for someone like that means way more than someone who's just good at fighting and just happened to get to the top just because they performed well. Some people have no choice but to perform well. But I'll tell you why it's also not wrong. I understand that he probably also said that um, in light of the current financial situation for a lot of fighters. And I guess he's just trying to make the point that it is an opportunity to fight in the UFC, but there's other organizations you can fight for that you can make a career with. And I think that's probably where he was coming from. I'm not too sure because, you know, Dana says a lot of things and sometimes, even though, ironically, he calls BS, but a lot of stuff he says too is BS and you can just tell he's just trying to you know, go around her question or 
you vaguely respond so that way he doesn't have to give too much detail into situations. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of a, it, I guess it's a two-way street too because although it is an opportunity for a fighter, it's also an opportunity for the UFC to make big money if they land a superstar, you know, you know, of the likes like Conor McGregor or like a Max Holloway, a John Jones. That doesn't always happen in every organization. You have great fighters, and then you have elite fighters, and then you have the best of the best, ones that stand out the most. So it, it was definitely something interesting that I actually read today, but I chose not to say anything on Twitter because I actually wanted more context. Yeah, so let's talk about the context. Um, this weekend, there was a fight, first fight of the night, Austin Hubbard versus Max Roshkoff. Max Roshkoff coming off of uh, five like five days notice. They give him the call. He says, sure, of course. Now, I don't know if you've seen this fight, but I thought first fight in the UFC, I thought he looked great. In the first round, I thought he had a very interesting skills. Uh, we saw Eminari roll out of him. Like, like a lot of grappling a lot of fun grappling stuff that we like to see as well as you know decent striking he was getting out you know out pointed on the feet but as far as his uh you know takedowns and stuff it was very interesting to see um second round austin hubbard turns it on and just like demolishes him just starts to crush him and then going into the third round me like some other people thought it was 1-1 uh they come back from the commercial break and there you hear the coach telling him to try to push like first thing you hear is max roshkoff say i'm done i'm out call it call it he says call it like nine times and the coach is trying to push him you know you're a champion we're not gonna quit this and that that and this he just keeps saying call it i'm done the ringside i guess they have a they have like a person who watches your corner to make sure that you're not cheating and stuff like that i guess he overheard him saying i'm done they come ask him would you like to continue he says no they call the fight um to immense backlash andre i do not understand personally why people got so worked up I thought, hey, if you know that you're done and you're able to say it, then you should be done. Uh, hence the context of why Dana said this isn't a career, it's an opportunity. He took the opportunity, but he's not looking to make a career out of it. That's what he was trying to say. Um, okay. Yes. So, Andre, you... I want your opinion because I've been so curious about this. I didn't have a problem with him saying that he was done. Listen, I'm a I'm of the belief, you know, live to fight another day. If you have to throw in the towel, throw in the towel. Andre, what do you believe? As someone who has practiced a martial art. Um we I mean, first off, I kinda wanna take more of the statistical well, the factual side, right? Coming into this fight, this guy was 5-0. He's obviously a winner. 
and you could tell by his pedigree, this kid's grappling is legit. He's a, he's a legit grappler who has high-level skill in wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? But what happens when you enter the pinnacle of the sport of mixed martial arts? You start facing fighters who are just as proficient as you, if not better, or can at least hold their own in certain areas. So I, I'm almost certain that at 5-0, and o, like most people uh, saw, is that he never faced that type of adversity. He comes into the first round, and he's showing his flashing moves, and he's showing that he has legitimate talent, right? And he's obviously well-trained. And then the second round, Austin Hubbard, because he's fought in the UFC a couple, three times before he fought Max, he showed that he had a bit of a veteran status, meaning that he knew what to do. Okay, well, the way that these fights work in the UFC is that after you get your feet under you, you have to learn how to steal rounds. You have to learn how to be dominant in order to win, and you have to look decisive. So he just took the inexperience of Max, you know, Rajkov, and he used it against him. And if you notice, like, Rajkov was really talented in his in his career outside of the UFC, and that's why he was called up. But to take a fight on five days' notice, although it is tough, I can imagine the weight cut might have been tough, and all of those things are a huge factor that could be, you know, uh, playing a huge role into this. But you've had situations like, what, Chris Weidman, who came in on, like, two or three maybe four days notice into his UFC debut, and I believe it was against Alessio Sakara, a very solid boxer in the middleweight division, and he cut 32 pounds in, I think, like four days. Comes in and he wins the fight. I mean, listen, like, I don't take away what happened to Max, but there have been a lot of fighters who have made a career, and when they started, they had to take a tough fight like that. That's how you really show your medal. That's how you show that your UFC material and I think that the pressure of it all um, just kind of got to him in that situation and you, you know in, in this aspect Dana is essentially right he had his opportunity but you know he can't make a career out of the UFC right now but I think with maybe three more fights four more fights out of outside of the UFC there's potential there for him to make a return. And we've seen it. We've seen a lot of fighters who were kind of like, you know, 500 in the UFC, like five wins, five losses. They go back out and they start winning and then they get re-signed. You know, it's possible for him. He's still so young. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think it does suck to see when a kid kind of like breaks mentally. Because that's the hardest thing to come back from, and it's like he and it's like Robert Drysdale was saying, like I knew he would regret this, and it's not to say that Robert Drysdale's first priority shouldn't be his fighter safety, but at the same time, if you're training this kid all the time and you know him, how can people necessarily judge you? based off of the notion that you're just trying to throw him in there to get killed by a guy. And let's face it, although Austin Hubbard is good, he's not the best fighter. And I feel like even though the second round was rough for Max, he could have stolen the round with a couple more takedowns and won the fight. 
But I think the pressure of that just got to him. He probably, and like I said, he probably never went through that situation. So there's this, oh, it, it, it's too tough to tell. So, yeah, my only opinion is that a couple more fights outside of the UFC, and I think he'll be ready, and hopefully his mindset is there as well. Yeah, so another cool thing that was in the news this week is for the Gilbert Burns versus Kamara Usman fight, um, the co- head coach, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Henry Hoof, right? Yep. He removed himself from the uh, either corner, and actually Usman took his training camp to work with Trevor Whitman, which is a very dangerous proposition. Andre, how do you feel about this? I feel like this is like sportsmanship at its best between teammates. I mean, listen, like these guys went above and beyond with the level of respect they showed each other leading into this fight. I mean, it's not always a, uh, an easy road for two teammates to go at it, but you know, it's it's common for a lot of fighters to kind of be in the same weight class. I mean, we have to look at the facts here. Gilbert was fighting at 155, but we know that the cut was a little tough for him, and he did have a couple of tough outings. So he moves up to Walter Wade and he shines. I mean, it was eventually inevitable that somebody at Hard Knocks was going to have to face Usman, and honestly, I didn't even see Gilbert getting to that spot. I thought it was going to be Vicente. I thought Vicente Luque was going to be Wonder Boy. And he was possibly going to get maybe a fight with Woodley. But, you know, he came up short, got dominated. But Gilbert Burns is here now. And I just really enjoyed the way that Henry Hoof handled it. Because he kind of took away from the idea of, like, oh, I'll just train Gilbert because he decided to say. You know, like, he just decided to say, no, I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to let these two handle it on their own. And they're going to fight, and after that, it's water under the bridge. And it's so awesome to see because you can't really take away an opportunity like that from Gilbert. He definitely earned it. And even if he had to fight somebody else, I feel like he would still be in the same spot. I mean, he's he's a legitimate threat to that title. And um, if anybody's going to really give you know Usman a real problem right now, it's definitely Burns. But let me tell you something. If there's one thing I know about Trevor Whitman is that Trevor Whitman is not only one of the best coaches in MMA, but in combat sports in general, as a whole. And I know for a fact that because of Usman's mental strength and his work ethic, I know that Trevor Whitman is going to have him prepared to the highest level to perform at the highest level against Gilbert Burns. Because let's not forget, Gilbert Burns is a second-degree black belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's a very, very elite striker now who has power in both hands and his kicks. And he trains with some of the best guys in the world every single day. It's not even a, a matter of excitement. You just kind of know that one of these guys are going to end up going out. I, this fight's not going five rounds. <laughs> I know that for a fact. But we really get to see who the best of the best is. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if Gilbert beats Usman. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I do think that Usman is an animal, but I just dislike him. I would like to see Gilbert win, but we'll talk about that in two weeks. Um, (laughs) In this week's Contract Dispute Weekly, uh, the usual suspects, John Jones now basically claiming that he's going to sit out for a few years. He says, I have no interest in fighting in the UFC until I get paid what I believe I'm worth. As well as Jorge Masvidal saying that he would like to fight this year, but he could walk away. I'm set for life. I don't have to fight. Um, I guess there's only so much that we can really say about these things. Like fighter pay, you already know. I always say I don't care. The fighters don't care what I'm making, so why should I care what they're making? And, uh, yeah, Andre, I'm not going to lie. I think that we've talked enough about this. But I will bring up fun quotes like Jorge Masvidal saying he's set for life. (laughs) Per se. Yes. Big (laughs) quotation marks. Uh, Just one small note. Combates Americas returns on August 28th. Now, that is a small note in theory, but it could be a big note for us as a podcast because good buddy Zedekiah Montanez could finally be making his debut. Um, I have not asked him yet, but we might talk to him sooner rather than later. So I'm looking forward to that. Combates Americas back. Andre, with that being said, Where's the Bellator? Where's the one? What's going on, man? It's fear, man. It's fear. You know, like, I hate to say it, but, like, the UFC is doing something that was really risky. But other promotions just weren't willing to take that risk. And I understand why, you know? Um, And it's it might be justified. It might be justified. Like, look at all these wrestling promotions running in Florida right now. Like, not a good idea. Not a good idea. Florida is terrible. That's that's a huge hotbed for COVID, man. And what's scarier is the fact that like we've already seen that there have been coaches in boxing and MMA and fighters who have been contracting COVID nineteen. It's a risk, man. Like what happened to Jacare was horrible, you know, and. Even guys like Eric Silva, like there's so many, there's so many, you know, instances where it could have gone wrong. So I, I totally agree with some promotions not doing it. But honestly, I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't really care to see Bellator anyways, unless they're putting on massive fights. The only promotion I really do miss is definitely, uh, well, like CFFC. And I really miss one championship because one championship still has so many more fights to come, especially, you know, um, Ong Lung Song versus Vitaly Big Dash 3. I mean, there's so many fights, man. Christian Lee's return, Eddie Alvarez's return. I mean, the list goes on and on of fights that I definitely want to watch, but take your time. That's all I could say to those promotions because... You don't want to risk superstar athletes and then, you know, the worst happening because that's when tragedy really will strike. And nobody wants that to happen. 
Yeah, I def- I'm just going to say that I went to the uh, Gloucester Premium Outlets in Jersey this past weekend. And listen, I've been working this whole quarantine, um, you know, going to Walmarts and Targets, you know, shopping like, you know, grocery shopping, getting some essential items. And honestly, like looking for toys at times. Never been scared walking into Walmart or a Target or a ShopRite or any type of, you know, supermarket. Going to the Glosser Premium Outlets, I couldn't tell you why, but I was so anxious. And I'm telling you, there were no more than eight people in a store. The place wasn't, it was sort of packed, but not like, I didn't have to like maneuver around. Like there was plenty of space. It's outdoors. I don't even know why I was so anxious, but I was, Andre. It was bad. No, no, I feel you, man. Even being in Wawa, like, it's terrifying because there's too many people in there at once, and everybody's got their mask, but you're walking through the aisles, and people are like this, and I'm like, ah, come on, man. Like, I will lit, like, you see, I, like, if you would ever see me at a Wawa, if there's somebody in a row, I'll just wait right there at the end until they leave, and then I'll go in, but. It's it's nerve wracking, man, because it's like I hate to say it, but but we have a lot of people in this city who are very ignorant, who just don't care about their lives, and you can tell, you know. Even even the other day, seeing someone trying to walk into a store without a mask, and then getting mad when they tell him to walk right back out. It's like, dude, we've been in the pandemic for what four months now, maybe a little less, and you're telling me that you still haven't got the memo. It, you know, it's it's something as simple as just following the rules that I think people are having a problem with. And it's, like, not their issue until they get it or somebody they know gets it. Then they're all advocates and activists. Like, oh, God, please stay safe, you know, uh, social distance. It's like, no, like, we've been, we've been talking about this for a while. That's why I understand why places like Cherry Hill haven't really opened up. It's okay. I want to feel like when I go to the mall and I finally reinsert myself into that, side of society then i can actually feel safe you know yeah so andre big news item for me you're you could see behind me so i think you understand what's coming next uh the ufc figure line series one is up for pre-order on ringsidecollectibles.com i am going to go through the people who are in Series 1 right now, Andre. So if you bear with me. In Series 1, they're calling this the UFC Ultimate Series by Jazzwares. Series 1, complete set of 6. Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier, Donald Cerrone, John Jones, Max Holloway, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Also... There will be a Chase variant, and that will be uh, Donald Cerrone. So his first figure is in gray shorts. His Chase variant will be in white shorts. Um, They are on ringside. The complete set of six is up for pre-sale for $139. Each individual figure will be $24. Oh. Um, Yeah. So a note from the... VP of Jazzwares, I believe, the guy who runs it, Jeremy Padauer. He used to run Jacks back in the days when they uh, 
like the inception of the Pokemon cards and all the toys, um, WWF Jacks, like that whole line. He he was the one who really went after the classic superstars line. He's working on the AW line right now, which is really exciting. Which I already have pre-ordered as well. So I don't know if you remember when I first brought this news to you. There was a picture leaked of Conor McGregor. And if you remember, I complained because I didn't like the shorts. They had like soft, good shorts. And I thought they looked too baggy. I wanted them to be like, you know, like the shorts that he wears, tight. Basically boxers. (laughs) So he says, this leaked, so let's talk about it. This will be Series 1 wave drop of UFC entitled Ultimate Series. It's going to be unusually rare. Series 1 is a real dark wave. It's roughly the equivalent of a beta product drop. Here's why. One, we are <coughs> Excuse me. We are celebrating an unusual scale in Ultimate Series. It's approximately 50% smaller, 15% smaller than the traditional fight figure. More like the type of figures that you will find coming out of Japan. This is a one-time scale for the mainline product. These are hand-sculpted versus scanned. Why? Originally, the UFC product was going to be all this scale. Truth is, after much consideration, as cool as the international scale can be, the go-forward product is going to be in scale with everything else, knowing that you have collected this scale for 20 years. With that being said, the Ultimate Series is going to be very cool. It's unusual, it's limited edition, and in my humble opinion, will blow out. They will be at Walmart and available on ringsidecollectibles.com. So, Andre, you know I'm a collector. Um, I missed out on the UFC figures from Jax. And to go back and collect them now, it is very, very expensive, Andre. Those are not cheap. So with that being said, I was late to recording this podcast because I was putting in my credit card information to pre-order the complete set of six shipping in (laughs) mid-August. Nice. Congrats. So yes, Andre, I will be sporting those and those will be all over our Instagram when we do get them. I am excited for that. Let's talk some fight announcements, Andre. There, honestly, is not much. Uh, Two fights I would like to highlight. Jordan Griffin versus Yusuf Zalal. And Vicente Luque versus Randy Brown. That's it, Andre. (laughs) This week, uh, the fight announcements were not that exciting. (laughs) So let's talk about the card that just passed. US UFC on ESPN Blades versus Volkov. Let's start in the main event, Andre, because a dominant performance by Curtis Blades. Why do we give this man so much grief? His style sucks. <laughs> I hate to say it. I'm a huge I, I've wrestled. I'm a grappler. I like grappling. But that's not the meta in MMA. Like people want to see striking wars. People want to see blood, and that that was the exact opposite. But I did see something that was very interesting. 
somebody said so basically we're you know cutting this man down for doing the same thing that gsp did for like 10 years and i'm like well you do have a point here's the difference though gsp was good everywhere and although he did take fight take fights to the ground he would sometimes outstrike people curtis blaze didn't i mean he outstruck volkov but he didn't look good doing it and it's not to say that he's evolving because he's not like he's still a wrestler but i mean it was a good performance I just feel like Volkov, I think I'm more disappointed disappointed in Volkov because I felt like he could have pushed a little more to try to really like get the finish that he needed, especially knowing that Curtis was a bit gassed. And his face started getting busted around the, the fourth round. So why wouldn't you turn it on? I mean, granted, Curtis Blades is a good wrestler, but like at a certain point, you got to really work hard to stuff that takedown. I mean, look at guys like Jose Aldo. I mean, he went against Chad Mendez in their second fight, and this dude stuffed almost every single takedown. And, you know, a collegiate Division I NCAA wrestling champion or All-American like Chad Mendez, you could learn from that. But, you know, I don't know. There's not much to say because even the ground and pound was weak. Like, he didn't do any damage to Volkov. So... I don't know. I, I don't say that that... Let me ask you. Does that performance in your mind merit a title shot for Curtis Blades? Curtis Blades will get a title shot when Francis Ngannou is no longer available. <laughs> Listen, Co- Curtis, Bra- Curtis Blades has proved himself before. Just because this fight was boring <laughs> doesn't really take away from anything. Um, but he is not ready as of now because of his gas tank did you see him he could barely (laughs) he could barely talk during the uh post fight and it was insane like i've never seen somebody that gassed yeah and you know the truth is that like when you're a heavyweight you obviously hit harder than everybody else pretty much Mm -hmm. but the thing is like curtis's entire strategy in a fight to win is solely dependent on if he can take you down or at least get you to the cage and control you. But if he can't do that, he's just literally a walking target. Like, he doesn't have any skills on the feet. Like, he can throw one-two and little leg kicks here and there, but he really doesn't have, like, good striking. And it's almost crazy that they tried to paint that picture just because he beat Junior Dos Santos. And how many times has Junior been knocked out, you know? How many times is, has he been blasted by opponents? Like, come on, man. Like, at the end of the day, don't kick a man while he's down. Junior already took his fair share of beatings, and he, now he's just fighting just to keep a paycheck coming every now and then. But I don't know. I don't like talking about fighters this way because I won. I really do enjoy watching good grappling, but this guy really does not do it for me. And even if he gets the title shot somehow against the winner of Stipe versus DC after, like, you know, Nganu fights or whatever happens, you know, I, there's really no other options for him. Like, he's going to lose to Stipe. There's no way he's beating Stipe. He's not going to be able to take him down and, and dominate him. It's literally not going to happen. 
you know we've seen it countless times we've had great grapplers and strikers that have tried to like really go toe-to-toe with Stipe and it doesn't work he's just too good he's too well-rounded so I feel like Curtis Blades in a sense kind of just lucked out um well not lucked out he he's kind of asked out in the sense of the two the three best guys in the world are dudes that he's never gonna beat so he's always gonna be like number two it's you know it's sad but what can you do yeah andre so in a year you know we've had a rough rough year but in a year that Joanna young jacek and zhang wei li crush it here comes josh emmett and shane burgos trying trying their hardest to win the illustrious ybe mma fight of the year award now i don't know i doubt it that they're gonna win it but andre that fight was incredible dude that was an incredible fight i enjoyed every second of it i was and like everybody said on twitter i said it myself that was the real main event the people's main event and we all saw why these dudes literally brought it and there was nothing it was nothing short of amazing i mean shane burgos really did use his range and he was able to be effective with the leg kicks and a good solid jab and he was really picking josh emmett apart in some some you know brief moments in the fight but damn josh emmett just throws bombs and the fact that shane could take those shots and smile at him i mean it's crazy but let's talk about the real story in this fight this man tore everything in his knee (laughs) everything he tore his whole body and was still able to throw significant power strikes without really missing a beat skipping a beat in the fight and he really showed just how elite he is I can't wait to see him back. I know it's going to be some time before he can heal up and kind of like recuperate. But Josh Emmett is a serious threat in the 145-pound division. And, you know, whoever wins this next fight between Max and Alex, I mean, we could really see Josh maybe one fight away from fighting the winner of that. And, you know, I'd really like to see him against Chan Sung Jung. I think that would be a dynamite fight. There's a lot of other fights already booked. You know, Calvin Cater is fighting Dan Ige. Zabit is supposed to be fighting Yair. We know Brian Ortega is probably retired, but just doesn't want to say it. But, you know, I feel like that's really the fight to make in this in this situation. So I'd really like to see how that fight goes. But overall, going back to the fight, that was one of the best performances I've seen. And uh, it's not my number one because Zhang... Wei Li versus Joanna was the best fight almost of all time. But it's right up there in my in my opinion is like number two. So great performance from both guys. Yeah, fantastic fight. So Andre, real quick, let's knock out this card that is upcoming this weekend at the UFC Apex. I guess this is UFC Las Vegas four. In the main event. Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker, Andre, in the lightweight division. Great fight. What do you think um, as far as Poirier coming off the Khabib loss? 
Um, Dan Hooker coming off of that, you know, for us. That loss? Yes. To Paul Felder? Um, <laughs> did you hear the stat? I don't know. I'm pretty sure, just like I live on MMA Fight Night Live, they posted a picture of Dan Hooker said, every fighter who has returned from a win over Paul Felder has lost their next fight. <laughs> I mean, listen, man. It, it's it's no listen that was a feat in itself he should be thanking the judges because if it were not for that he would not be fighting Poirier Felder would be I'm sorry man but like Felder is the real deal he really puts damage and even even in the last fight when he fought Edson and they were like Edson won that fight can we be serious for a second Paul Felder said it best I got cut because of a headbutt Edson was cut up because of strikes that I landed, destroying him with vicious elbows and knees and kicks. And it was the same situation with Dan Hooker. But I'll tell you like this, man. Let's talk about this fight between Hooker and Poirier. What do you think is going to happen in this fight? What's your prediction? All right, I think that... Okay. For me, I think Hooker is too long for Poirier. Um, if Poirier can close the distance and land, it is going to be dangerous for Dan Hooker, but he can take a punch. We've seen it. Um, but I think ultimately, if they go to a decision, I think that Hooker can eke it out. Okay, that's a fair analysis. Um, this is this is my analysis of the fight, and I want to take it based off of each fighter's skill sets. So we know that one of the main things that Dan Hooker utilizes in his fights is the calf kick and really long punches, really long. I mean, he has one of the highest. Um, reaches in the lightweight division only being beat out by like guys like kevin lee and like well formally what's his name the guy god i always forget his name but anyways he has one of the longest reaches in the lightweight division and um you know this guy comes into the into each fight being able to use utilize that one two the calf kicks and then he's able to use those strikes as you know precursors to other heavy strikes like knees head kicks big left hooks i mean listen we're not gonna sit here and say that he's outmatched in the striking area but aside from that we're talking about dustin poirier now when i look at both fighters skill wise poirier is the more well-rounded fighter he has a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu he has great wrestling and although he's not the best kicker when it comes to the boxing, Dustin definitely is a better boxer than Dan. His range is going to be enough to stop Poirier. I think it might slow him down. But I think that due to the mistakes that Hooker made in his fight against Felder, you could see that like he's definitely susceptible to getting hit by a guy who has shorter reach. Now... 
you know, Poirier's boxing, in my opinion, is probably going to do the job. And I feel like by the third round, I feel that Poirier will find a way to take the fight to the ground and probably finish him with ground and pound. Or he might hurt him with a big shot. Although Dan Hooker is tough, I'm not sure he can take Poirier's power. But I know for a fact that Hooker is not going to be able to hurt Poirier the same way that like a Michael Johnson did. Poirier is a lot more polished on the feet as far as footwork and defense. And I think that Poirier is probably going to be able to finish him by three rounds. You know, a lot of people laugh and they make fun of Poirier's boxing defense and his boxing in general. But I don't think they're really watching his fights the same way they should be because Poirier is elite in the lightweight division with that boxing. There's, I don't think there's anybody who has that level of boxing at 155 when it comes to him. I think that he evolved over time and he got really good. But, you know, I definitely can see that fight going the other way, you know, like what your analysis is, because if Poirier doesn't come with the right mindset and kind of freezes the same way he did against Khabib, then it's going to be a long night for him because Hooker is really good at using those long punches to pick his opponent apart over time. And although he has knockout power, he does have a sense of patience where he's not going to force a finish. He's going to continue to break his opponent down over time. And Poirier does the same thing. But if you really if you really think about what this fight embodies, it's really a boxer versus kickboxer. So the the real key to, to the win for Dan is those kicks. He's got to land a significant amount yeah, of Yeah, so just a quick overview of the card. Uh, debuting in the UFC, that, former Invicta Atomweight champion, Jin Yu Frey. Uh, Jordan Griffin versus Yusuf Zalal. Philippe Lenz versus Tanner Bozer. Luis Pena versus Kama Worthy is the featured prelim on the card. That should be a banger. Uh, then on the main card, Sean Woodson versus Julian Erosa. John Vellante versus Maurice Green. The debuting Kyle Dawkins versus Brendan Allen. Fire. Finally. Finally. He's here. And then the co-main event, Andre. Platinum Mike Perry versus Mickey Gall. <laughs> so excited. It's going to be a fun fight. It's going to be a fun fight. Yes. <laughs> um, anything else, Andre? Fun 15 seconds. <laughs> Damn. Good luck, Mickey Gall, because that jaw is going to be destroyed <laughs> with that first punch. My oh, my God. Mad. Get ready for that. Yeah. Until, I swear to God, I'm going to kill you when I see you. Sign the fight contract, dog. I can't wait for that call out. I I don't even go lie to you, man. Like the whole coaching aspect of you know, like Mike and I having a like a real coach, that's gonna be hilarious. But I I don't know. I don't think Mickey Gall's got it, dude. I think he's gonna get KO'd. Stiff. <laughs> I just feel so bad for him because he's like one of those young guys that people, you know, popular. Yeah. This has been I, I wouldn't, this I wouldn't week's Your Boy Elroy. I am Josh Prepagina. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson. One word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast. Andre?
Everybody, you can find yeah, enjoy the fights this weekend. If it's your birthday, Andre, happy birthday, and we'll see you Facebook next week. Andre Rodriguez, thank you all for tuning in.